This is the Accounting Insider Show. So this is another thing that a lot of investors are unaware of. There's got to be an easier way. It's achievable for anyone. It doesn't cost anything to set up a business. Because there are many great ideas out there, but it's the people that make ideas happen. Because once you unlock this formula, there's no reason to stop. You just get better and better at it. You just make so much money out of it. All right, sitting down today again with Tony Grevin. Tony's come back as a special request of mine. Uh, Tony, last time we talked about your business model and how it operates and your amazing bakery that you've got in North Adelaide. But today, I mean, we got to the end of that podcast and it was like we'd only touched on the the surface of what you actually do. Um, I was, I mean, that podcast was really good. It was about three or four before this one. Um, got really good feedback. Like, you know, every now and then you do a podcast and people send you texts saying, that was amazing. I've known Tony for 10, 20 years, but I didn't know all of that stuff about him. So that was really good to touch on that. But when we got to the end of it and we'd run out of time, it was an hour and a, hour and a half, something like that, um, I thought there's a whole nother aspect of what you do that we haven't even touched on today. And we were both, I think, physically exhausted, just mentally from everything that we talked. So kindly, you've taken some time out of your hectic schedule um, to come in and meet with me again and press record on the Zoom and put down another podcast. But today we're actually talking about your properties and the investment philosophy that you've got. And it's completely different to mine. And we're going to do a deep dive on investing in property 101, according to Tony Grevin. <laughs> 101, yeah. <laughs> you happy with this? Yeah, sure. And um, it's all hold, it's gloves off, no holds barred. Um, we're actually going to unlock all of your secrets <laughs> nothing is sacred we're going to touch on everything um, because often people hold stuff back they don't tell people the full story but today um, you've kind enough you've told me before I press play that um, you're happy to do that so could we please like I'll just outline how I see your property model working um, before we get onto that actually I think it's incredible that you've got a great bakery that runs really well you've got lots and lots of staff but you only work on Wednesdays and Saturdays yeah right? I, yeah that's when I go in to do physical work yeah, yeah. at the bakery there's a lot of other times when I'm doing book work or maintenance or fixing things up or organizing things but yeah I do have a lot of free time now yeah and you play golf twice a week I try to yeah sometimes three but always once uh two is the goal uh, three is uh Living on the edge. So um, one of my friends, um, Jim Trelaw, said to me that a good manager plays golf twice a week. Oh, <laughs> I must be good. And I tweeted that and it went viral. It's my only tweet ever that's gone viral. Uh, the whole golfing community picked up on it, but it, it got converted into whatever South American dialect or language and it was, went off. Um, so that's a powerful statement for me, but you, you live by those words. Yeah, I think just... It was always the goal for when you used to work so many hours for so many years and to reward to have a reward at the end. It's everything that you do, investing and in life, if you have a goal, you need to reward yourself for all the hard work and that was it. Just let's recap on how many staff in your business. Oh, around 70. 70 staff yeah. and every time I ring you, you always pick up. You know like most business managers who have 70 staff, it's like, I think a lot of the staff ring them, so there's just this plethora of phone calls that they never get through. 
you're not like that. You're sort of more, you manage the business a bit yeah, better. I think with the phone call thing, it's because I know I've got to ring you back. I think it's quicker just to answer the phone, get that sorted. Because I never know what any phone call's about. So then I think about, oh, why, why are they ringing? Oh, and you think, is a situation or something I need to solve? So I just try and solve everything and get my head clear all the time. And I can't remember whether we touched on this, but you don't believe in frequent flyer points. Everything's paid with a check when the... Oh, no, I believe in frequent flyer points, but only as long as it doesn't cost me anything to do it. So... um, but, but you don't pay all your bills in the bakery on your credit card. No, because they're all they're surcharges to use it. So the surcharges are more expensive than the benefit of the frequent flyer. Points. So there's an exception to the rule. So if, if, if you can pay with your credit card and it doesn't incur a surca- surcharge, you will pay with your credit card. Yes. Okay, okay. Right, that's good to get that clear. All right, let's, let's digress from that and let's go into property. So um, the only other thing I want to say before we la- launch into that is that you could potentially spend a lot more time in your business and save on wages or play a more active role in that. But you don't choose to. I feel like you're two to three days a week maybe working on your properties. Uh, yeah, there's, I like, I'm very hands-on, so mm. I probably manage everything and I fix everything. I'm the maintenance guy so and I'm, I do all the interviews for tenants and everything. So, yeah, I, and I like that because being the maintenance guy, you get to see uh, everything about the house and uh, at different times um, and I like to know who I'm actually uh, getting in there and you know like, uh, look, if, if you haven't got time or it's not your gig get a manager but so, if you've got time and it's your gig and you're happy to meet people do it so I'm living in one of your houses let's say and there's a leaking tap out in the back veranda yep I'll ring you because yes. you're, you're the property manager and say the tap's leaking and then you'll come around and fix it yourself? Straight away, yeah. Pretty yeah. well, with straight away. I was quick as I can. I always try and make an effort. But what about leverage and getting other people to do things? Um, there's some things that like I've learnt over the years, like replacing the fan on an oven, which is an absolute nightmare. You know, mm. I've given it a crack. I think this is just too hard. And then I'll get the oven repair guy in. So I've learnt there's things you should attempt, things you shouldn't. But So do you have a... a- well, I was just sending an email to my tenant today, giving them the name of my air conditioning man. Do you have an air conditioning man? Uh, yes. And and you've got an electrician? Yes. And a plumber? Yes. And they are on standby in case you've got an issue, but all the easy stuff you'll fix yourself? Correct. Uh, yeah, I usually fix a bit of electrical or plumbing. The old man, <laughs> don't tell anyone. Uh, my dad was an electrician, so uh, I used to, when I was young, go out with dad and he taught me a lot. I was, obviously, I was a bricklayer, so I was in the trade. And plumbing and I've done renovations and everything so I am handy so as long as you're handy and I mean you can google anything nowadays and sort of get a fair idea if you have got oh an idea you know you can you can fix it YouTube videos yeah unbelievable you'll be watching YouTube videos on how to fix something well especially programming a roller door you know you think you know I've paid once for a roller door guy to come out I thought I can't pay for that again you know and so so YouTube that and it was fixed within five minutes every time Okay. Is it easy if we talk about a hypothetical property or do you want to give us real-world examples? Oh, real-world is good. Okay, yeah. can we talk about one of your properties, please, and can you tell us how you bought it and what you did to it and what it looks like now? Okay, so one of our first ones was a place in Broadview. Um, it was 1,060 square metres. It was a real quite run-down. Um, we just brought it because it was a reasonably good price. Uh, it was only about $320,000 and um, it was... 
and I was hoping to get as I'm a big believer in land. They don't make any more land, so the more land you can get, the better you are. Uh, whether so you can subdivide or land, you know, like an apartment is you've only just got that. There's nothing else you can do with your size of the area that you have. Um, and we just brought that, rented it out to whoever. Uh, we weren't really that fussy of who rented it as long as they could pay the rent because we knew we were going to demolish it one day. It took about seven or eight years before we decided to develop it. Uh, it was, yeah, it was um, like seven years and then, you know, we weren't in a rush to go through council with all the planning and everything. We got approval for three places on it. Uh, then we okay. could go... I've got to, to interrupt, sorry. So you get a draftsman or an architect yes. to, to draw up th- three houses? Yeah, to get it through through council with us, a block like that, which is on the limit of whether you can put three or two on, uh, we needed someone to come up with a good design that would actually fit and pass all the the regulations to be able to do it. So you've got a um, draftsman that you use? Yep. yep. Not, not architect, draftsman? Uh, just, yeah, I've, I've got mates that are builders and stuff like that and they put me onto people. Um, yeah, I've got... Yeah, it depends what you need when you need that time. We had a draftsman. Yes. Okay, and did you come up with like I know that you're a bit like me with um, obsessive compulsive, like you love controlling things. So did you? I imagine you would have mapped out exactly the house that you wanted, rather than saying, "Can you come up with an idea for us?" Yeah, I knew how I wanted the 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 plan of the houses um, and how big I want. You know, there's rules of a house that I want. I want. Double garage. Everyone wants double garage. You got to have two to three bathrooms, minimum two, uh, three um, bedrooms, and two living areas. So that's what you, you. I give them all what I want in the house. Um, not not floor plan though. He he was no at liberty uh, to do his own floor the, plan. The last the development we're doing right now, I actually invented the floor plan. I, but that first one I didn't. So yeah. okay, and you learn by your sorry, not by your mistakes, but you learn as you're doing. Yeah, you not, do. Not that you're saying that's a mistake. And then, did you go to your draftsman and show him fronts of the style of house that you wanted? No, not the frontage. We just had to try to get uh, slight energy rating. So where the windows are, how big the windows are facing west with the sun. Um, we were limited, so he had to come up. He those sort of people come up with really good ideas of okay. how to be inventive. I'm not that guy. So, so you're happy get with... Get the right people to do the right thing. You're happy with what he came up with? Yeah, yeah, really happy. All right. So we've got it. He, he comes up with the plans. You change them a couple of times, I imagine, and then you submit it to council. It gets approved. You tell your tenants that they've got to move out and then it's time to engage a builder. Yep. Who... How did you handle that? Uh, we went to three different builders that, um, you know, you ask around and... Uh, I guess you can read reviews and ask around. There's no guarantees, but um, we ended up choosing a builder who did a pretty good job. Um, um, was he the cheapest? Um, it was very close. It wasn't the che- oh, there's no. I could have gone real cheap. This mm. is this is a mid tier builder. Okay. So we were always going to keep these properties for a long time. So you go cheap you only going event you only get what you pay for so you always. wanted something a bit like me when I'm doing something on my property I want it to, I want if I'm buying a pump I want it to last for 20 years correct and we wanted as low maintenance as possible and a good job and and they did they did a really good job it's still today it's been low maintenance um yeah it's been really good and that's 
seven years ago. So just um, bashed the house down, got the builder in, built them, and then voila, you came in at the end of it. Did you have an active role? Is there any labouring uh, or anything? Yeah, that you I did? did. I mean, I did things like I did all the stormwater, landscaping, fencing, um, uh, pretty well that sort of stuff. I uh, did myself. Um, you know, it depends how busy you are. If you've got the time to do it, save a few dollars. Sometimes. Well, you've got no the, time though. You've got sixty staff. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But I. Yeah. I'm a project. You actually enjoy it. My, yeah, my wife tells me I'm. A, she's always says you're a project. I give you a project like line the shed out the back and make it for a room for the kids, and I'll get it done. It'll be done in five days. It'll be painted. It'll be fantastic. And but she said, can you mow the lawns? And she'll be nag me for three or four days. Come on, just mow the lawns. I, I like projects, not jobs. All right. So just wrapping up on that last development because that's number one. Yeah. So the builder came in, did all that. You did the. The, the bits and pieces to, to, to tissue it up because obviously there was money that you could potentially save if you did that. Yes. So you got involved. Um, and then it's all completed and then you rented it out. Yes. Okay. Do you remember the numbers roughly? Did, did you – sorry, what I'm interested in is did you make money on it if you would have put them on the market after completing them oh, or was that irrelevant? Yeah, it was irrelevant. All I knew that like the land was 320, each build was around 240 each Um and you know, I knew it was roughly around the four hundred grand each house, four four twenty, and interest rates were back then maybe five five and a half percent. So, you know, rent was covering the, the the mortgage now. So um, it was a no brainer. Like, I don't need to make any money out of it. We'll just wait for the capital growth, and eventually, um, the rent will go up and uh, overtake the repayments. Uh, we fixed it for five years back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I knew it wasn't going to cost us anything, you know, it was paying for itself. I figured, well, I'm happy to have an investment even and just re- solely rely on the capital gain for that five years. Uh, now interest rates are going back down. Those loans come out a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, and now we're back down the four, very low, uh, just under 4 and 4%. Okay. So you've still got those properties? Yes. Still tenants in there? Yes. Um, how did the properties hold up quality-wise? Really good. Um, we've had we've changed a couple of the properties. I've had tenants in twice, so we've had the original tenants by somebody else. Um, a lot, of, most of the tenants stay a long time. It's really good. Like you build a decent looking house that's got the nice comforts, the ducted reverse cycle air conditioning, and make it look nice and feel nice, and is a bit of quality. They'll stay. You know, they'll, they'll think oh, there's a lot of crap out there. So. You got something half reasonable and a reasonable price, they'll they'll stay. So, and is the layout one at the front and then two at the back? Yeah. Okay. And does everyone sort of get along as one big happy family there? Yeah, yeah, they do, which is good, which is important as a like for me when I choose a tenant is to get people that will get on well or just be, not on well, just be able to say hello to someone that's nice enough to say hello and they're not loud or big partiers or. Uh, you know, have a party, but just be respectful as well, you know. Do, are, you, are you allowed to have a dog there? Uh, those ones, uh, I would, no. They've all got fake, these have all got fake lawn in the back, so okay. I would say no. Okay, right. Um, and did you, now, is, is one of the secrets to keeping tenants there for a long time not increasing the rent, or do you increase the rent? I don't increase it very much. Okay. Um, if you've got a good tenant, I mean, you only got to be, 
uh, vacant for two weeks says $1,000, uh, that's $20 a week. So you could lift it $20 a week, someone moves out, you're vacant for two weeks, you're in no better position. Mm. So looking back, if you could have the property that you've got with the three houses on it and the debt and, and all of that goes with it or the house which was the old bungalow or whatever it was on the 1,000-square-metre block, which would you have? Oh, the three houses. you got your tax depreciation on all the three houses, so I'm getting and saving tax there. You've got no maintenance, so I'm not endlessly going backwards fixing this up, that's fallen down, that's broken, the egg dish is buggered again or whatever. And we're actually doing, did the development, we became cash flow positive after doing development, whereas before the development, we were negatively gearing. Right, right. So it so become, it was... It was the right time to do it after we held it for a while, yeah. Okay, so I guess what you've got is you've got an inflated value in the property because you've, um, you know, you've injected value into it by doing the building, but you've got a bigger debt and you're, yes. comfortable, and you're comfortable with that. And the way I look at it, if you've got, um, if you're not making much money out of the property with the rent and you're just relying on capital growth, um, if you're a long-term investor, um, you're at least going to be looking at 5%, right? So 5% and if we've got $2 million worth of property, it's going up a hundred grand a year for doing not much for, on $2 million worth of property. While you're sleeping. While I'm sleeping. And, you you you, you know, like we, we're obviously positively geared now. So we make, you know, you might not make it this year. They're talking about right now that property price is going down. Not that it affects South Australia very much. But in the long term, you're going to make that. Uh, I remember my first house I ever brought, I had it for five years and the rental property and I went to sell it five years later. I bought it for 125. The agent said 137 after five years. I thought, oh my God. 12 months later, I sold it for 210. So sometimes things just go through the roof. That's an extreme example, but you know, time in the market is the whole gig, isn't it? Mm. So um, you know, don't worry about it daily or monthly or yearly. Eventually, it does. You look at the graph from 50 years ago till today, it's a straight line up. Mm. With a, you, know. you touched on one thing there. Who do you think is going to win this new ele- this election? <sighs> this is a crazy election. Like you got your Donald Trumps come into this world and everyone thinks they can actually win an election in a country because everyone wants something different, sick of the old normal crap that our leading politicians are doing. Um, so it's, it's obviously a Labor or Liberal uh, victory, but I'm hoping Liberal, but I just think I'm a bit worried with Labor because they're big spenders. Um, this is hopefully we, hopefully we can actually not go backwards for one year uh, this next year, but um, Oh, I don't know. I'd say Labor, but I'm hoping Liberal. So, so, well, that leads to the next question. If Labor do get in, what's going to happen to property prices when they abolish negative gearing from 2020? Well, I don't think the go- the government realised that if investors pull out of this market, let's not look at the property prices, but if investors pull out of the property market, then you're still going to have people that can't, doesn't matter how much they earn, they, well, it doesn't. I mean, there's still going to be a lot of people that rent, that can't uh, save up because they're not good savers, so they can't get a deposit. So they're always going to be renters. Now, if there isn't a market out there for those renters, because uh, 
because the people are pulling out, of the, uh, investors are pulling out, the government's going to have to find a way to f find housing for all these people. So they may end up having to uh, subsidise people for their rent or in, buy their own housing, like the housing trust will have to become bigger and bigger. Now, it's easier for the government to rent to... Uh, it's easier for uh, the government to allow investors to have a house that someone can dump rubbish uh, or mess it up or something like that, then the government doesn't have to worry about it. You know, the investors are all in, in control of that. But if the government has to uh, house all these people, it's going to cost the government a fortune. And that will go back and it'll be, I believe, the negative gearing will be back on the table again. Does okay. Sense, yeah, yeah it makes that. a lot of sense. Do, do you think that there's going to be an adjustment to prices if investors are, are pushed out of the market because the tax advantage isn't there? Um, I think we're lucky we got low interest rates at the moment. It's keeping it okay. You know, the, if it does, the investors that have property will put the price of the property up. They need a return on their investment. It's like any business, you know, like if you're going to give everyone a pay rise, that's great, but the money's got to come from somewhere and it comes from well, if the small business is going to have to pay everyone more, they're going to have to lift the prices of their products. Has to. You can't go backwards. So then, so are you saying that the existing investors will be able to put their rents up because there'll be fewer properties? Correct. I believe that. Okay. And do you think, okay, so that's rents, but what about prices? Do you think that there'll be an adjustment? Well, you know, it's a little bit like the year 2000 thing, isn't it? Mm. Um, <laughs> Y2K bug. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, now's the time. If you want to buy, now's the time to buy because you can get advantage of the – if Labor do get in, you get advantage of the um, negative gearing. Negative gearing. Um, and now's the time to sell because if you're scared, the prices will go down. So we're in a period of it's a good time to buy, a good time to sell. Uh, but after it all happens, is, is it going to really matter or do too much? I don't think so. I don't think, like, well, I remember that this happened in the US and property prices plummeted. Um, but I don't think that that's going to happen here, personally, um, because I think that there may be a slight decline in prices and it'll make front page of the newspaper. But then, you know, six to 12 months later, it'll bounce back up or it'll be reintroduced, like you're saying, because it's unsustainable from a housing point of view in terms of um, people being able to, you know, the... Uh, affordability of rent, I think. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, just going back to Y2K, did, do you remember where you were? Yeah. January yeah. 2000. Oh. Were, were you worried about... No. You were... Oh, I mean, it is what it is. And, you know, like... I mean, what's the worst case scenario? God. <laughs> I remember I was staying at Harvick Bay with friends and it... Uh, about 12.10, I went out and started up my VL Commodore just to make sure. Oh, really? <laughs> that it would run because I was worried that the, Holden would have taken some shortcuts with all their computer programming. Yeah. They wouldn't have allowed for it and it was never going to run. It started first pop. <laughs> oh, At that point, I thought that the Y2K bug was a hoax. Oh, okay. Did you start your car the next morning? No, I think I had a terrible hangover. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right, so broad bit... Broad, broad, what was it? Broadview. Broadview, Broadview yeah. is done. Yep. The next property, please. Uh, well, we actually, we'd brought our first, the first property in Broadview. Then we, uh, a couple of years later, brought a second one. This one was 1,680 square metres. So both properties had not been developed at this stage. So we had two properties with two dumps on it. 
Okay. But we developed the first one, went and seen how that all went. And then when that went all well and uh, got tenants easy enough and thought, oh, well, this, this is all working. It's good. So we did the next one. And we did exactly the same thing again. Okay, what did you change though? What did you learn from the first one that you rolled into the next one? Um, you, was the, were the layouts of the houses different? Well, they're bigger size blocks. So one was three uh, community titled on one block. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one was separate titles on one big block, which is, uh, so they've all got their own front, uh, two frontages and one at the back with its own separate driveway, independent driveway. So you've got four on this one? Three, three on the oh, next sorry, one. Oh, th- sorry, three on the next one? Yeah, the three council on the first only, one. Th- yeah, well, you would have thought we should be in there. I tried to get four on it, but uh, council wouldn't allow it, so I had to stick okay. with three, which I don't mind because it's actually helped the area. looks nice. It, it looks really nice. You know? Okay. So uh, comparing apples with apples, are the ones with community title valued at less than those which are pretty well identical properties but a bit bigger block? Um, on the Torrance title. Does that make a difference at all? Yeah, they do. They are valued more, uh, but we're still getting the same rent for all of them. Okay. So because the house sizes are just big, like the ones all on the same block under, and community title are all double-storey. The other ones are all single-storey, so they've got a bigger okay. footprint, yeah. Um, did you use the same builder? Yeah, we did. Okay. And w- w- so... Um, the same draftsman, I presume? No, well, because the second one was single homes, mm. we could choose. We were, weren't as... Uh, restricted. Restricted. We could choose whatever we want. Well, whatever fitted on the block. We could put our double garages. We could do, you know, there was a big range of stuff that we could put on. So is it fair to say you shopped around on the second property and found that there were other players in the market who specialised in sort of like, um, you know, single-storey dwellings? And they were able to offer a better product than what you'd had previously. Yeah, I mean, if you always go to what a builder's, um, what they've built Display before. Display home sort display of Display home. Whatever they've built before, they know their costings. They know how to price it to the bone. Where you come in with your own plans, they'll cost it. It's, you know, your square meter is always going to be a little bit more. So you did, again, stormwater, yeah, landscaping, landscaping, fencing. Fencing, yep. Air conditioning, carpets. Yeah, well, we did blinds. that. All that we did the blinds, cut. Well, we organised it, obviously, because uh, that's not included in your building price, is it? No, no. The air conditioning was okay. We always put the air conditioning in, um, because you can always just get quotes with air conditioning. That's an easy thing, and then you can come back to the builder and go, "I'm happy to put the air conditioning in, but this is the quote I got. Match it. You can do it." Okay. You know what I mean? So that's an easy. Whereas, yeah. Okay. So. Um, okay, let's fast forward. So you still got that property? Yeah, still got all And you've still got all three tenants. Well, they probably moved over uh, a couple well, of times. Yeah, um, one of those properties, the same tenant's been in there, just moved out last month. They were in there from the start. The house at the back, we've only had one change of guard and same as the other house, one change of guard. Okay, and how many years ago was that built? Uh, that was maybe five years ago. Okay, so then can we go to the next property after that? Um, we can go to the one bef- the first one. Oh, the first one we ever did was a shack at Encounter Bay. We bought a oh, okay. yeah, let's, block let's of land at Encounter Bay, which had a, a dump of a shack. But the beautiful thing was the sh- it was on a corner block. The shack was at one end, and we just subdivided that through the middle. And we paid two hundred and ten for the shack and the block. And three years later, we sold the shack. We subdivided sold the shack for two hundred. 
And so we had a block for basically nothing. and Half a block for nothing. Half a block for nothing. And then um, just built a really nice home on that and used that as the family shack for the next five years. How many, uh, sorry, does it have ocean views? It didn't at first, but once we paid $1,000 to the person down the road to cut a tree down, we had an ocean view. <laughs> Can you tell us about that conversation? Did you just knock on their door? Yeah, well, we left the ladder first. It was funny, you know, like, I shouldn't say this, but like you walk past and you think, well, I could poison that, you know, and you think, no, you can't do that. Um, so uh, <laughs> so we did. We left the note on their door and uh, then they finally they what rang did, us. So what did the note say? I just said that where we lived, who we are, and then, you know, it affected our view and, you know, like it's, it was an ugly tree. did nothing for the front of the house. Um, and we just said, you know, if you would consider it getting done, chopped down, we're willing to put $1,000 towards it. Uh, if you can get it chopped down cheaper, we'll just give you the $1,000. But that's what we roughly think it's worth to chop down. So I don't know if he chopped it down or whatever, but he got the $1,000. And it was gone within what sort of space oh, of time? Weeks. Yeah. Weeks. Yeah. And, and problem solved. Problem solved, yeah. Added a whole heap of value to your property. Well, a little bit, yeah. Well, at least we had a view. We could see over to Victor then and all that and out to Granite Island and it was nice. Perfect. So then um, did you use – was this – was the timing around the same time as the other ones? Or no, that was, this was before, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was before. Uh, yeah, that was before. That was our first development. We, so did you use a local builder from Victor Harbour? Yeah, we did. We okay. did. Uh, he was really – they did a beautiful job. Did a really good job. Yeah. And – you said five-year time frame there. Does that mean you don't have that property at Victor anymore? No, well, we sold because, you know, it was good while the kids were a little bit younger, but once they started becoming teenagers, we weren't getting up there as much with school sport, uh, the business, the bakery. Um, and, like, we loved it every time we went down there, but it's just getting down there and we just thought, oh, it's, we're just not getting value out of it because we're, we're a little bit precious on it. So we didn't rent it out very much because mm. we were worried because it was so nice. Um, and we thought, let's just move it on. And it worked out well because we sold that and three months later we bought the building, the bakery on O'Connell building. So the money we got from that helped, helped fund the new commercial property. So that you it bought. all worked out for a reason. So things do happen for a reason. Okay. Any more developments in Adelaide? Yeah, we got one at the moment. See, that's that's, that's been an interesting one. Uh, we got one at Prospect, which we bought a block of land that had a dump of a house. No one lived there for 10 years. Um, and then we saw this house in the next street over, which was attached home. It's a double story, beautiful. But they're big, really big. And we thought, oh, that would be really nice, something like that. It'll suit North, uh, Prospect. Um, then we... So I rang the council and said, uh, who was the builder? And they said, oh, we got, don't know the builder, we know the architect. So they gave us that and I spoke to the architect, said, can you draw exactly the same plans on this block? Because it was exactly the same size block. I said, yep, sure. Put that into council and council approved it. But now because of what's happening on Churchill Road, uh, they've got an independent body that looks at developments that are a little bit out of the ordinary in prospect and they voted 2-2. Two, two. So if it's, it's an even vote, it gets squashed. So we couldn't do that uh, those buildings. So I had to redesign that. And so now we've only... And that was... We put submitted that to council last June 
and we found out in December that it got squashed and that that was that was painfully painful going through that with the council it was just uh, yeah just a bit of advice do all your developing stuff and getting a builder or get your plans before you demolish a house you know oh so because it just dragged and even though this time uh, like I said to the council I've done what you want I've built single story now but they're, they're really nice I said you know how much is mucked me around can you just please push this through as quickly as possible because you know it's, it's not fair to do that to somebody you know so just explain to us um what was the size of that block this one's 960 square meters okay how many did you manage to get on it only two this one. Oh, two. I mean, we haven't started building yet we've just signed a builder last week and uh, so hopefully that's going to start in the next Three weeks, four weeks. Okay. And then you'll do the same formula again? Um, I won't do the stormwater, mm-hmm. but I've, I've done all the backyard. I've Because I've had it for so long, I've put a shed, I've put retaining walls in, I've put gardens in, I've done trees. Uh, put uh, You know, it looks really nice on the road, this barren block of land with the beautiful gardens down the back. That, so, uh, yeah. And with these, when you do the gardening, uh, um, because – You've got tenants in there. Do you set up like a self-ordering Yeah, system? low maintenance as possible. All yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you put down fake lawn. Well, yeah, the first three we – so so the first three we grass, the second three we fake lawned it. Okay, so – Fake lawn's the way to go. Fake lawn's the way oh, to go. Yeah. And then do you have little shrubs or bushes around the edge of that? Yeah, what I usually get is uh, one of the houses we put um, – it's like um, corrugated iron – Pots, you know, they're real big. They look like a look like a big oval shaped uh, rainwater, rainwater tank, tank with, that's been cut down yeah, to very low for, for them, veggie gardens. And yeah, things. for veggie, yeah. You put that with the corrugator with the fence and a bit of timber here and there, and it looks quite trendy. You just put in your your yakas and your your plants that you just can't kill, <laughs> and uh, some rocks and stones, and yeah, it looks pleasant. And that's that's it. That's it. And yeah. then set and forget, and you can come back in five years' time and. It still looks good. It still yeah. looks good. It still looks overgrown good. with weeds and everything, but yeah, we, the good thing is because you have rocks and everything in the gardens, and then you have your raised beds. So your raised beds are easy to weed. Mm. All the rocks in the garden beds mm. you just spray with weed spray. So you try and keep it all low maintenance. So is that? Are you going around there and spraying no. once a year? Or no, they, no, they do. They, oh well, every time I've been there, it's good. You so you I just don't. remind them. Look. Can you spray this with? No, 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 nothing? no, no. Well, I haven't had to. No, it's all, it's all. Yeah, it looks, yeah, it's good. Because I've got um, a rental property with a pool and a garden. A and pool. Yeah, oh. yeah. It, it came with a property, but I pay a pool cleaner to go around and clean it every month because I know if the tenant did it, then um, you know they might forget or it might go green or so. I just will cost you more in the long run. Yeah, so I just keep it all maintained. They pay for electricity to run all the pumps and everything. Um, and then I pay a gardener to go around once a year and trim up all the oh, yeah. box hedging and all of that. And then I pay a lawnmower guy every fortnight or how often it is just to go around and do all the lawns, just so that I know that it's all maintained and I don't get it back and it's a dog's breakfast. It sounds like you're on a reasonably big block of land then. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah. 700 square metres. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was, an arch- well, um, it was a landscape gardener who came up with the concept of the garden. Oh, so it's quite nice, but I it's, wanted to maintain it's all that. You want to keep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful house. 
it's not your, 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 your stock standard rental property. It's something that I want to – we used to live in, we outgrew it, but we'd like to move back and retire in there at some stage. Mm. So we've got to well, keep it. I mean, just a simple thing to make yourself feel better is what do you think all that costs you? Uh, thousands. What, $3,000 a year? Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, But if your house is worth seven or $800,000, going up 5%. Well, it's, we had it valued at 1.2. Well, there you go, 1.2 going up And we up paid 6 for it. Well, okay, 1.2 going up at 5%, there's uh, 60, uh, what's that, 12, 5, 60 grand a year? Yeah, we, that's right. Every year. Yeah. And, and they... And, you know, uh, and the, 3 grand it costs you to maintain, to make it look good, great, and your tenants are happy, they're going to stay. And, and Yeah, and there's a story behind it too because I was so thinly spread financially when I went out and on a limb and bought five rental properties that I was I couldn't pay insurance so I didn't have any insurance on any of my properties rule one I, it was a big mistake anyway because this tenant you know it was just always a bit awkward when I had to go around there I didn't clean the gutters for three years they overflowed and then there's a bit of movement in the soil there as well so a pipe in the shower cavity like a copper pipe got stretched and cracked Every time they put, the tenants would have a shower, water would seep down into the oh wall. Oh, God. And my gutters overflowed right near where this um, issue in the plumbing in the bathroom was. So the wall actually dropped in the middle of winter and some bricks fell out. So the whole wall dropped. So it cost me $20,000 to rebuild the wall. The tenants had to move out and all of that. It was a big, it was a big kerfuffle. But if I look back with the increase in value from 600 to 1.2 and the insurance that I saved at, say, $1,200 a year for, um, I don't know, I'd had the property maybe seven or eight years at that point, I was only marginally behind by actually paying that builder to come in and rebuild the wall. Okay, that's, you know? that's fine. But once if the thing burnt down? Oh, yeah, exactly. I'd, so you can't, you got so, so it, But as soon as that happened, I learnt my lesson mm. and then I insured everything yeah. properly. Well, I have with the 70 staff at work, if they, someone buys a car, I tell them, you got insurance? You have to have third-party property. I'm big. This thing, like two things I say, get a second set of keys because there's nothing. You only got one set of keys. They have two set of keys. For the time it takes to get it done and the cost, the hassle and the cost afterwards is too much. Insurance, you've got to have third-party property minimum. Just have insurance. What else do you tell them? I love this stuff. Uh, oh, uh, well, Basically that, and to register to vote. Don't complain about anything unless you vote. I hate people that aren't registered to vote. I mean, they're happy to complain. If you don't, if you're not registered to vote, you got no say. So don't what if, have a say? Okay, just getting back to the insurance on the comprehensive on the car. I, I did a similar thing with one of my staff members too, because uh, they had an accident, and they weren't covered. I paid the the repair bill because it mm. happened in my car park. But do you? What if they say they can't afford it or they don't want to do it? Well, people just don't think like that. How do you, do you say, well, I'll take it out of your pay? Well, I think I explained the repercussions. If you hit that brand new new Mercedes and it's your fault, you'll be either paying that off for the rest of your life, you'll either all be going bankrupt, whereas you can't uh, travel overseas for a little while, or uh, you'll always have that hanging over you for what? What's third-party property? 300 bucks a year? If you can't afford $300 a year, don't buy a car. Okay, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Okay, with the properties... Is that it residentially? There's there's no more lessons that we can learn from any of your... Mom- I think the whole rule for me, like I read a book. The first book I ever read was how to... How, no, how to create wealth out of property investing. It's by a woman. I can't remember her name. It was a really good book. Margaret. 
It was it would have been twenty five years ago. Anyway, and there it always said if you can afford to repay back the loan of your property, then you should be buying another property. So my rule is don't pay off a loan. Don't pay off a mortgage. If you've got an extra $100, dollars a week to pay off that mortgage, put it into another property and negatively gear it. So always always stay the whole rule is staying is in debt as much as you can comfortably afford. Does that make sense? To yeah, you? yeah, so, it does. But um, like with your property investing, it's a long-term strategy. You're not doing these developments to turn them over. No. You'd get smashed on capital gains tax, I'd imagine. Yeah, so I, I'm always, yeah, I'm always about hold. I'm just a hold guy. That's, And I'm sure there's a lot of lot of developers and a lot of people make money out of build, flog it and sell it. But a lot of those houses are built to flog quickly and at a reasonable price. And I see a lot of crap getting built. So we don't build as much crap because we're holding it. We want longevity out of those homes. So our homes are probably a little bit better than... Long term, I like it. So with you, can we talk about your commercial property where the bakery is? Yep. A little bit about that one because... Um, so you set up the bakery, which now is... Um, uh, well, it's, it's, it's a really busy happening bakery, probably one of Adelaide's biggest bakeries, um, but... No one had the foresight to put anything on O'Connell Street, did they, in terms of bakery? There were ones further out. You just happened to just um, jag that area. Yeah, uh, well, I, yeah, well, I, well, rent's expensive on O'Connell Street, so... That probably put a lot of people off. Yeah, bakeries don't... It's not that many big bakeries out there. And, you know, you're selling $5 or $4 products. You've got to sell a lot of those products to make, you know, rent. It's a hard way to make a dollar. But if you get it right, it's a yeah, great way exactly. to make a dollar. You know, like the, there's for a bakery, like if anyone wants to start a bakery out there, my advice would be, you know, uh, be on a main road where you've got traffic. Um, be on the going into town side of the road going into town. So be on your left-hand side going into town. Um and try to pay as little rent as possible because that's what's going to hurt you at first is the rent. So uh, there's a lot of little outer suburbs or just out that are cheaper that you can get. You don't have to be in a big massive supermarket or an expensive area. Okay, we are in an expensive area, but um, when we first moved in there, we had a stall in the central market which was making enough money to pay the rent at O'Connell Street so that we lowered our risk. Uh, But if you don't have that luxury, well then... That's where but, you start. But fair to say, um, Central Market wasn't, in hindsight, the money spinner that you wanted it to be. Not at first. Oh, in at, the end it was. In the end we built it up. Okay. It's just uh, the Central Market is a like the busiest short-term car park in the Southern Hemisphere. So um, people go in, go to their six or seven favourite shops and get the hell out of there. So we were down at one end and a lot of people years later would come up to us and go, how long have you guys been here? And we go, years, a couple of years now. Oh, we've never seen you. Well, it's because they don't walk around everywhere. Yeah, and you were sort of down, tucked away now in a so corner t- pocket. But once you do get a good reputation in the central market, then they'll follow you forever, so it's good. Would Glen Osmond Road work? Um, is there parking? The well, that's somewhere? the thing. You don't have any parking, though. Yeah, there's a little bit. We've got four car parks out the front. Mm-hmm. Both side streets, we have parking. Um, 
there's a few loading zones just around us all as well. So people can stop for 10 or 15 minutes, get the coffee, sun it and go. So there's a lot of that. It's better where we are now than when we were 120 yeah, years ago. Yeah, okay. Road. I know what you're saying because further down, you're closer to the city and there's more restrictions on parking. Yeah. And North Adelaide is notoriously tough for parking as well. So People expect it. So uh, Yeah. Well, yeah. You, we do miss out on a lot of trade because of the parking, but I think there's enough high density foot there. Traffic? And foot traffic? Foot traffic and high density and traffic flow. Like, there's, like if there's a space, they'll get it. If it's free, they'll get it. You know, like, so it's constantly a turnover. But, okay, so you've got, let's just say, eight car parks, but you've got seating for how many people? 116. Yeah, so do you see the... Yeah, but they'll park, yeah, around the corner, come for a walk. So, no, because, no, the reason I'm asking that, because there was the ideal property on the way into the city that came up on Glen Osmond Road, which would have been great. You know, one of those character old double-storey buildings, which you could have, you know, it used to be a, a deli or something in years gone by, 100 years ago. I thought that would have been a great idea for a bakery and I encouraged my parents to actually buy it. But then I spoke to a, a maid who had had a baker's delight and he said, no, don't go anywhere near it, no parking. But then I look at your example and the number of parks that you probably get here would have been maybe four or five, still not your eight, but even if it could have been a fraction of your size, it still could have been you know, a very successful business. Yeah. But he said, no, there's better sites available, don't go there because... Um, you want something with more parking. So maybe you bite the bullet and you get – so th- that was only – I think that was for sale for 600000 There's another one down the road for $2.3 million with oodles of parking. That might be a better one to get. Yeah, but that's two point three. million. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at – like for a baker to start up, mm. someone to start up, someone, you know, like say, yeah, I really want to start a bakery. So I think there's um, places around on main roads that – I know a few that I would have no hesitation in starting, but um, that you, you'd get rent four or five hundred bucks a week, you know, and then you think, oh, four or five hundred, that's a hundred dollars a day. That's And if you're open at six o'clock in the morning with all the trucks and the couriers and all that, you, they'll come in for coffees. And tell, tell us the spots. Do I have to? Yeah, uh, yeah. I know I've asked you before, you don't want to, you're, oh, you're no, happy I, with one. I did, yeah, one's close to me, but I just think on Churchill Road at Prospect somewhere. Yeah. I think that that would be a gold mine. Main North Road? May not throw it. Oh, you got villies out there. Um, I think maybe a little bit tougher. Um, Port Road? Yeah, Port Road would could work in the right area. Um, you know, anywhere there's tradies work, like your truckies, your couriers, uh, and traffic and normal traffic. So, you know, people that work on the road eat on the road. So... They're the ones you want to get, you know. And then if you can get a little bit with the uh, surrounding area with a few people popping in here and there that like to come in for a coffee, that's good. If you're near other businesses that'll come in, great. Um, so, yeah. So if someone actually grabbed you and said, look, I want you to mentor me and set up a bakery, you have a few ideas in mind on where you could go. Yeah, yeah, could, okay. yeah, 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 good, good, good. I know you, you know your craft well enough. Okay, so let's talk about the property on O'Connell Street. So, you were in a um, a situation. I, th- I think you touched on this before, where you, you you had issues with your landlord and the rent was going up and it was really getting nowhere and all of that. And then you decided to start looking around, and this other property came up, which was it's about uh, would it be what four or five hundred meters up the road? Oh no, a couple hundred, hundred and fifty, hundred and eighty meters, something under thirty. It's only yeah, one block up. So So um and then that's actually two shops 
side by side, isn't it? Yeah. There was um, owned by a Chinese guy. He used to have a Chinese banquet in there. He owned it for like 27 years. And it was always a bit of a bleeder for him because he had a shop, a Chinese shop at Holden Hill. And uh, that always did well, but he always topped it up, had to top up O'Connell Street. Then he rented it out uh, and then to other restaurateurs and that never went well, was very run down. And then eventually he bit the bullet and decided to spend $615,000 on renovating it and putting new windows and turning it into two shops. And a month before uh, it was all completed, he passed away, which was a bit sad. And uh, But his wife didn't want to be a landlord and the sons were both professionals and they didn't want to be all a part of that. So they put it up for sale and we brought it. Um, so... You, looking back, you paid a lot of money for it. Yeah. We had to pay more than what they wanted for it. Yeah. And did you feel uncomfortable about doing that? Cause no, because like just for the numbers sake, like we were paying uh, uh, what, about $130,000 a year rent in O'Connell Street. Um, and the repayments, if I borrowed everything on this, was $108,000 a year was the repayments. So I was like 22, I own a building and I'm 22 grand a year better off already and I own it. So, and all my only risk was if interest rates went through the roof. Or if your customers didn't relocate. Oh, the customers didn't relocate, but then I still had the option of, if everything went pear-shaped, turning it back into two shapes, shops again and renting them out. So For that, something else. For something else or only taking, if we, if the customers didn't back us up and we went really quiet, I could move into one side of it. Uh, and rent and out one for sixty grand out, or something. You know, so there, so was, you, there was always that uh, insurance policy there. Have you got parking out the back? No. So where do all the staff have to park? Out by the dog parlor down dog dog parlor. Well, the dog uh, park. Uh, there's twenty four hour parking out there, so they they get there. At, well, they most of them start at six in the morning, so um, they'll be there at quarter six in the morning. So you're happy to pay a premium because you knew the value that it could bring to your business. And now I guess that was quite a few years ago now. So it, the value you paid back then, even though it seemed too high, is well and truly um, outweighed by the fact that you've had some capital growth and now it's back up to where it should be. Oh, I mean, everything added up. So anything that you did to the place added value to the place. So it wasn't lost money. Mm. Um, you, if you think, well, even if even if the repayments were the same as the rent I was paying with down the road. Now, this place we've actually brought is 100 square metres bigger, so we had something bigger. So we could actually, if things didn't go 100%, we could actually uh, deal and do wholesale and maybe make, we could supply different businesses out there with their pies and parties and different things like that. So that was another option. We had the space to grow if we had to, so that was another plus. As with regards to if the interest if the interest rate, if the repayments of the mortgage um, just co- just uh, just covered, you know, what we'd normally be paying in rent, uh, and the thing goes up by 5, 5% a year, um, we're making, you know, no, we're basically, and we're paying 5% on interest rates, sorry, we're basically rent-free because the capital growth is cutting out the, the repayments. So it's basically rent-free if you looked at it that way. Well, and I like rent free. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, I reckon that's fantastic. I, I think we might wrap up now because um, 
I've got everything. I've extracted every piece of information that I wanted to out of you. Thank you for being so open with your property investment portfolio. I think that, you know, summing up, I think that your model works really well because you've got a really, you've almost got a great cash cow in your business. And then you're taking, in tandem with that, you've got this property investment um, model, which gives you tax deductions and also gives you capital growth. And the bank's happy to lend you money to do more of them because you've got a good business on the side. Do you know what I mean? It works um, hand in a glove sort of, um, you get synergy out of having those two parallel sort of businesses, business models that work together. Is that how you see it? Yeah, they do. I mean, the business is the engine to support it. Um, If you didn't have that, I think that your property model would be limited. Correct. And yeah. Sorry, your property investment model. Yeah, it it makes it easier to borrow more and more. Yes. But now that you do have uh, X amount of homes and business properties, uh, now you're, as everything goes up, you know, like if everything went up three or four hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, you've got more every year, you've got enough equity there to buy another property. And it takes pressure off of your bakery business too, doesn't it? If your property portfolio is going up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. You, well, you, you, exactly. You have a bad week. You go, oh, well, it's it's all right. Next week will be better, but at least the real estate's still yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. I find that with my business too. Like I've got my accountancy practice, but my properties, if I'm buying the right ones, they're all going up in value. And every time you have a sit-down conversation with a bank manager, it's a very relaxed conversation because they see me as a property investor, not an accountant. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know? Whereas all the other accountants in town, well, I'm, I'm saying that as a, you know, a bit of a generalisation, but nearly all of them rent. And then if they've got overdrafts with their business, the banks put them under so much pressure that they have to do quarterly cash flows and this, that and the other. And who, what's your debtors looking like? Get none of that. They, you know, it gets to two-year annual review and the bank says, oh, can you send in your financials? They almost like forget about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> their, their loans are well and truly covered by you. Owning your own property for businesses is, is, is the end goal. What do you think about superannuation funds? I've never been a big supporter of superannuation because the goals post changes all the time. So that's hence why we really concentrated on our property. You know, there's, there's no guarantees there, but it's been good over the years. Only because, you know, the, I mean, there's good tax benefits to put money into it. Um, but the government can change anything anytime they want, when you can access it, how much you can take out, what you can do mm. with it. Um, I just like to be in control of what I want to do when I want to do it. So... When you retire, how are you going to fund that? Well, I'll, I will, the simplest way to do is um, – I've got one little last story for you when okay. I finish this. But right, the right. simplest way to do this is to, um, is to sell enough properties to pay off my debt, keep the, re- keep the ones with the highest income and the, mo- and the best ones that I think are the best and just live off the income from the properties. That's the simplest way. Are you happy to do that though? Because I don't think I'd be able to sell my properties. I'm too in love with them. I don't get emotionally attached to anything. You're just happy to ring up the agent and say, can you sell X, Y, Z? Yeah, and I then do that. I want to pay that, pay whatever agent's fees and capital gains tax and whatever's left over, pay down the mortgage. Yeah. Get rid of the debt. But see, like the Greeks, uh, like it's like this. If you need $50,000 to go on a holiday or $100,000, whatever, you want to take everyone on a holiday, think, oh, I'll just sell a house. Now there's three or four hundred thousand dollars, and I'll have a few hundred thousand dollars left over. Well, the thing is, don't sell the house. Borrow that fifty or hundred thousand dollars and put it on your mortgage. 
because that six hundred thousand dollar house would have gone up by thirty thousand, uh, or thirty thousand dollars next year, the year you're away on your holiday. So you've borrowed your hundred thousand dollars, but your house has gone up thirty thousand dollars. So instead of that trip costing you a hundred, it's only cost you seventy because your property's gone up. So there's the rule of don't ever sell. So and that's how you do that. But if you just want hassle free and retirement, just retirement. Um, I'm trying to think of that story. I forgot it. I really liked it. Um, was it so? Was it to do with superannuation investing? Oh no! There you go. It is. So the advice I would have for younger people mm. or someone wanting to pay off their mortgage, right? Is and this is this works averagely. Like houses will double every ten years, right? Sometimes it's longer, sometimes shorter. It just depends where you are in your cycle. Let's just say on an average, if you look back the last 50 years, I think it's roughly around 10 years, maybe a little bit less. So buy your first house. You've got your first house. The sooner you can get your second house, say just out theoretically that houses double every 10 years. You buy your first house, just make interest repayments on that only, and you buy an investment property. Now, if your house costs you $500,000, then you've got your investment property is $500,000. In 10 years, your house, you've paid nothing off it, all you've done is interest only. And in 10 years' time, your investment property will be worth a million dollars, and your house will be worth a million dollars. Sell the investment property, or sell your sell your own home, which is capital gains free, which is capital gains free and then move into the investment property and pay your investment property off, you, that's how you pay your house off in 10 years. Right. I love that. That's simple. It's and, simple, and you think, it? oh, That's simple. It might be 12, 13 years, but you've, one, one, you haven't had to make extra repayments on your own home, and two, you only got to just cover between the rent and the mortgage on the investment property. And you just got to look after investment property for 10 years, 12 years, whatever, eight years, depends on where you are in the cycle. Gold. But just, just on the superannuation, okay, so you're going to sell – sorry, I just want to understand how your mind thinks. Um, so Tony is about to retire. He sells off his investment properties. What does he do for day-to-day cash flow? Does he continue running the bakery? Does he sell the bakery? What What's going through your head? I think we – you know, I sort of also feel like there's a lot of people that are dependent on us – with jobs in the bakery and they are fantastic people and I feel like I would like to continue with the bakery because that's their that's their life as well and they really get a lot out of it. So while I've still got all those core people there, I would like to keep the bakery. Um, but one day if my daughter doesn't want to be a part of it or my son, well, I don't think my son will, but if my daughter doesn't, then I would probably sell it. So we're talking... Um, nowhere near the 60s. This is into 70s. Um, yeah, well, it depends on all the staff, I guess, or the, the core staff. And, yeah, uh, look, I could see – we only we ain't going anywhere for mm. seven or eight years. But but it's it's almost a silly question because here we are. We started the podcast off talking about how you're only working two days a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now we're saying it's, – it's the perfect business to run under management. Um, so but, and could, we have we've spoken to the staff and we had big meetings and said look we will want to step back even more again this year mm-hmm. and this is what we require. So you're going to drop back you. from two days to one day? <clears throat> well, no, not so much that. When I'm in Adelaide, I'll drop back. But if we go away or want to go away, we want to be able to go away. A drop of hat, take a week off here or eight days there. I want things in place that I'm not reliant on for those two days a week. Sure. 
Okay. Tony, 59 minutes. Thank you ever so much for being part of it. Yes, it just (laughs) slipped away. It seems like five minutes. But thanks for sharing all your words of wisdom. I'm sure that everyone's really appreciated it. And uh, thanks for being part of the podcast. My pleasure, mate. Thanks.